Lingard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Hello and welcome back to the Bruce Banana FC podcast where in this one we're going to be talking about the upcoming game on Saturday at home to Fulham coming off of the back of a really good scalp of Crystal Palace away. Fulham are an interesting proposition because it does feel like and I say this whilst incessantly slamming my fist on words um, that they're potentially there for the taking. Um, they've won, they've, they beat Everton but at the same time they also conceded no, um, 19 shots to Everton. They um, then got creamed against Brentford, conceding 17 shots against Brentford. They conceded 3.7 xG against Brentford in the, in a match they eventually lost 3-0. So <laughs> um, it does feel like this is a team that is still pretty fair to say they're working out what is best for them. So on this podcast, I am joined by, and I'm going back to my random superlative objective generator. That's I'm getting really good at saying that. Firstly, I am joined by. The rawest Ben. How are you doing, Ben? Yeah, yeah, pretty good actually. Um, I was, thought it could be a lot worse that adjective. So yeah, we've we've seen quite, some quite, bad ones. Quite happy with that one. Yeah, we're in got a last episode. We're also joined by I love this one, the curviest Drew. Drew, <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, what is I? This has to be rigged. This is two episodes in a row where you've done me dirty. I, th- I think that's I think that's a compliment to be honest. I do have a nice butt, so I guess that's fair. Happy butt. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Yeah, doing brilliantly. And obviously, coming <laughs> off of a great result on Monday, which um, uh, we we spoke about, I think uh, we'll be getting uh, the pod for that out before this one, obviously. So if you've listened to that, then thank you so much. Um, uh, but in terms of Fulham, there is a lot of questions that kind of raise themselves. But the first thing I want to say, I'm going to come straight to you, Ben. I said earlier that it's potential that Fulham are there for the taking. Do you agree with that or do you have a little bit of apprehension in you? I think Fulham are always there for the taking, to be honest. Um, and that's that's not, that's not a disrespect to Fulham. I think they're, they're punching well above their weight, but the style of football that they play means that when they come up against bigger teams, it always feels like they're a bit vulnerable. Um, and, you know, it's I have a lot of admiration for the style that Marco Silva is trying to play, but it does just feel that when they come up against higher quality opposition the um the the levels really change and they can't quite keep up which is you know perfectly fair enough but i do think you know we beat them five was it five one five nil at the cottage last last season um i can't remember the score but it was it wasn't close but the, the, no, the home leg no. ironically was actually a lot closer was it i can't even remember the home leg. it was it was the 2-1 game where gabriel kind of let Mitrovic in to score the equaliser and then Gabriel scored from the corner and like the in somewhere uh, in the ish Well minute. well we won't have the Mitrovic problem, so that's good. True. Um so yeah, as I say, I agree with you. I think they're probably there for the taking. They've got weaker over the summer rather than stronger. And um hopefully we can just sort of finally flex our muscles a bit this season because it's been a bit of a a bit of a tepid start. They've been good results, but it's been sort of a tepid start to the season. Yeah, I, I agree with that, to be honest. I think we're still waiting to see Arsenal at their rip-roaring best, where we, like, we want to see like uh, Arsenal putting a lot of goals past someone. Just to, I've, I've, I think really it's a mental thing, isn't it? Where 
we've won our first two games just fantastic there's we need now to kind of separate ourselves from the pack because there's still a lot of people that don't think that we're going to go up against Manchester City in the same way we did last season and even over the summer I heard a lot of people say things that that United's um, Chelsea might even kind of pip us and like when people talk about the title race there was people and I remember listening to TalkSport where they didn't even mention our name which is mental to me so I think that this early going of the season is a good place where we can if we keep winning these games then and obviously we've seen Manchester United drop points, Chelsea drop points, Liverpool have already dropped uh, dropped a few points. If we keep winning, then eventually it becomes Arsenal and City and potentially Brighton as things are looking um, in one kind of way, and then the the wannabes is kind of segregated into a different group. So next one I come to you, Drew, is this: how like in terms of creating that gap. How many games do you think we have to win? Like, do you think the the upcoming Manchester United game is kind of that turning point where if we beat them, then that kind of puts a clear divide? Or do you think that this Fulham game is, is a place where we can really kind of like lay down a marker? I think both. I think obviously, I, mean, I agree with Ben that we, we, we should be smashing Fulham. I mean, they gave up, what, 20 chances against an Everton side that are currently at the bottom of the table that haven't scored a single goal. And they kind of skirted away with a 1-0 win in a match where they dominated the ball but still gave up a ton of chances. So I, I kind of want to see a big result against Fulham. But when it comes to United, I just want to see a good performance and the win. I don't necessarily care about the scoreline. And that is almost kind of like a throwback to perhaps a bygone era to some fans where if we beat United 1-0, I was happy. I didn't really care about I don't. We don't have to, to decimate them. You know, I just want to beat United. But for Fulham, I do think at some stage we, we need to show that the attacking patterns have the end results we want over the course of the overall season. And obviously we didn't see it, you know, full bore against, you know, Forest and Palace is a tough place to play. So we only got a one nil win and that's okay. Cause South Park is tricky, but Fulham, ha- I think we, we have to go in and we have to score goals against Fulham. Three, three goals minimum. I feel like we'll be okay. More than that. We know we're capable, but we have the players. A lot of that might be contingent on uh, the 11, which I know we're going to talk about it at some stage how we set ourselves up to play, if it's going to be kind of a thing we saw against City or if it's going to be what we see in early doors in the first two league matches, I don't know. But um, it's hard to say which the two upcoming fixtures is where we want to plant our flags. It might be a cop, but I think both for different reasons. Um, But for me, you know, next weekend, it has to be a big result. Um, A win is, is the bare minimum. I do think we have to go out and show that we can score goals. I think a lot of the X with some of the fans currently uh, is slightly misguided because, you know, some of our play last season was sublime for, I would say, the bulk of the season. And we had brilliant attacking play, obviously. And I, we're not truly seeing it yet. And so I do think a lot of fans are already kind of up in arms in certain ways because they might think some of the business we did was disruptive or maybe a bit overrated in terms of what we can do going forward. So I think setting a goal scoring marker against Fulham is, is important at the very least yeah especially when you could say I was going to say arguably I think probably quite comfortably their best defender Tim Ream got sent off in the last game um, their other defender whose name escapes me at this point in time I'm going to try and search for it now um, Tosin Diop oh, um, Diop had a clanger against Brentford so I remember the it was a really bad back pass which let uh, Visser in to score so 
not only in terms of kind of general team uh, performance, I do think that even individually, it looks like they're a bit sixes and sevens at the moment. So coming back to you, Ben, when you're looking at the team sheet, because obviously in Nottingham Forest game, Havertz played in kind of that box midfield. um, And also where you'd imagine we'd go a little bit more defensive, we kind of stuck to that uh, as much as we could against, uh, against Crystal Palace. In terms of changing the team up from Crystal Palace to Fulham, do you expect to see any changes? Yes, I, I should hope so. I mean, I was shocked that Gabriel didn't play against Palace. Um, I, I really thought he was nailed on. Yeah, I, I wasn't certain that we'd stick to that back three um, sort of system that we tried against Forest, And I'm not sure that we'll... Do, I mean, if you're going to trial it, you might as well trial it at home to Fulham, right? Um, but I think that if Zinchenko's back in, then we can sort of bring Gabrielle and it'll be a bit easier. Um, I think, I think, I think we will see changes. I wouldn't be surprised to see us go back to a back four and just go to forty-three-one or four-three-three. Um, but I, do, I just think at the moment we're trying to. I mean, Arteta's spoken about how now we've got options to play Plan A, or Plan A one, A two, A three, and then B blah blah blah. But um, I think at the moment we're still trying to figure those options out and this is one of them that we might see for four or five games. I don't know. Um, it just feels like some the, all the all the Saudi rumors as well. It feels like there's no smoke without fire with Gabriel and him playing would be a good way to sort of calm the waters again. But then, then again, bending to a player's will probably isn't something that Mikel Arteta is renowned for given the players that we've seen shipped out before. Yeah, I think you're right, to be honest. Where I say I'm not really one to try and buy into kind of random Twitter rumours that come from like sources that definitely aren't reputable, but it did feel to me, and obviously, you know, I'm not going to know what Arteta's thinking. He's going to do stuff that surprises us, especially like he's, he's spoken about surprising us and he's done a lot of surprising stuff since he's been at Arsenal. But it did feel to me like if I was ever confident of a defender starting a game, you'd think Gabriel versus Palace away just makes so much sense. And I could understand the perspective of kind of having more build-up focused players in when you're at home against Forest, who are going to play a deep block. But not not seeing him in a team sheet against Crystal Palace, it did really surprise me, to be honest. So um, I do agree with you in the sense that with the rumours now and, and, you know, a lot of the, the, like, the kind of, Twitter ITKs and people who report the transfer news are now saying that Arsenal have no intention of selling, whether that's to Saudi Arabia or to Real Madrid. Um, so to see him in the team sheet um, against Fulham could be that marker that you kind of say about just to say he's here, he's in our plans, he's one of our best defenders, which he is. And um, uh, I want to get your opinion on this as well, Drew. Like Ben said, there's no smoke without fire. Do you think that recent team selections have been more than just tactical decisions and uh and and if not what do you think the reasons for it could really be i mean there's no there's no really reported issues at the back end with gabriel i think apart from you know the links with saudi interests but you know so maybe he's being kept out of the team until that's resolved one way or another i really don't know but you know that i feel like if if we if we were going to sell him you know, we might not have really even used him you know, uh, against Palace, you know, with, with the need, uh, unless we were, unless I felt like had no really other options. So, I really don't know. Um, I, I just, I just think it could be tactical. I, I was talking to Tom Kenton about this the other day, and his, his 
theory was that um you know we were trialing Saliba to be used at left back from time to time because his recovery pace is uh a bit better than than Gabriel and you saw that uh when his uh his poor touch gave uh, Jordan Ayew a chance to go in on goal. He recovered and made that last-ditch tackle, and that's kind of why you, you, it was almost kind of like a an example of that theory being put into practice, potentially. Um, so I'm not quite sure, um, you know, I guess what, 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 what the reason would be, obviously, I, and I hate to speculate. So um, for me, given the evidence, I just think it's been tactical maybe he's been maybe we're kind of maybe masking maybe a slight nib- little niggling issue that gabriel might be having that are keeping quiet i really don't know but you know to go from you know um how he was viewed at the club last season through through into the summer through into the community shield all of a sudden now i'm not starting the last two weeks it just kind of seems like either we're masking something fitness wise or it really is just we're keeping him out until we have a decision one way or another with um with Saudi interest that's been linked. So um, I don't think it can be anything bigger than that in all honesty. And if it is, then, you know, I guess not having any sort of clarity on that is, is a bit frustrating for fans, but it's just a weird turn of events and then and, and how it's gone so rapidly in that direction is a bit odd. But so to me, that just signals just got to be something else that isn't detrimental to what's going on because we, we've looked good defensively without him anyway. But obviously, you know, he was you know, such, such a key uh cog in a wheel for us, you know, last season defensively when when things were at their best. So hopefully it's resolved and, and we can kick on and, and we'll see if he maybe gets a start against four. I don't know. Yeah, well, he he played every single Premier League game last season, didn't he? So it's it almost kind of seems a bit ironic that he played thirty out of thirty eight games and then <laughs> get shot from the starting eleven for um uh, for the first game of the next season. But as you know, as you say before, um Arteta is very aware. I, I, I must um, that, that that we're going to have a lot more games this season. We've got Champions League. We're going to want to go further in cups. We can't play our best team in every game. And you know, much like what Pep does, I sometimes I feel like Pep has maybe like a team of the of the month, where you know one month Walker's playing right back quite a lot, and then it kind of changes. And John Stones is playing there, but coming to midfield, then Ake is kind of going to left back. It just, it does feel to me like, like sometimes Bernardo Silva's on the wing and sometimes he's playing centre mids. Sometimes Foden's in the team, sometimes he's not. It, it feels like every now and then he just finds a balance for what he feels is the period ahead. And then those players kind of stay in the team for a little while. And then he kind of chops and changes as, uh, as the season goes on. And I think Arteta is probably going to do something slightly more akin to that this season where, you know, games in the Champions League, um, uh, we're going to need to kind of put out formidable 11s on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And that's, that's going to be really, really tough thing to do because there's something that this team isn't used to because for the most part last season, when we played Joe League, we played heavily rotated 11s. And then um, uh, even then it felt like towards the end of the season, uh, that the players were getting a little bit gassed out. So this is going to be a different dimension of fitness we're going to have to see from them. We need to see that we can rotate enough for people to be fine at the peak of their powers because we want to you know, go and win the Cups and go for far in, in the Champions League as, as far as we can and also combat City in, in the, the Premier League, which is going to be really, really, really tough. So I'm also going to play devil's advocate, advocate with uh, with a question to you, Ben. Obviously, the performances from Fulham, despite winning a game and losing a game, which you'd say at the moment is probably not a bad return for them. Um, uh, in the game they lost against Brentford, where they got absolutely whacked, it did. I, I'm looking now, and it did say, say that João Polina came off the bench, and it, like yeah, he was 
one of the best defensive midfielders in the Premier League last season. Barnett, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, you're talking about the Casemiro's, the Parties, the Rodri's. Other than then, you're looking at Jao Polina, who I'm pretty sure won the most tackles in the league. I might be wrong when I say that, but he was absolutely fantastic regardless. Um, if he was fit enough to start the game, like, do you think that realistically makes a difference? Like, maybe that could be the missing piece because at the moment I'm seeing um, uh, they've got a guy called Lukic there. I, I don't know much about him, but maybe he's just not filling that void in the same way. Mm. Yeah, Sasa Lukic is a, a bit different. Um I think he only arrived in January from Torino, if I remember correctly. But um, Palin, there's no doubt Palinia is their star man now Mitrovic is gone. Um, you know, he was linked with West Ham to replace Rice. He's that good. He was linked with Liverpool earlier in the summer. It just, he he's he's the guy that sort of helped them overperform so much last season. And him coming back will be a massive boost for them. But at the same time, He's a he's not going to put the ball in the net, which is what Fulham are struggling with at the moment. Um, and I think the, I mean, if he scores now, I'll have to eat those words. But um, you know, I think knock on some is... wood, Ben. Yep, yep. You had this prediction on about a one year <laughs> in the in the preview pod to Forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got what two and two now. It's flying. Um, but yeah, I think Palinia is a very useful player to have back but doesn't solve their bigger issues which are that their team's got much weaker than last season and even if he has a season as good as last season which was phenomenal uh, they're going to be worse and they should be relatively easy to get through and he, he was in the team when we beat them 5-1 like it's not a sort of Rodri kind of style where if Rodri doesn't play Manchester City fall apart and if he plays they're much more stable like it's to an extent but they're still pretty vulnerable when he does play He's just very good at mopping up a lot of stuff to make them slightly less vulnerable. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, it's hard to say, really, isn't it? I don't want to kind of say that he could be the difference, but as as you know, we I think that he's a fantastic player. That um, uh, it wouldn't surprise me actually if a lot of teams were looking at him come coming close to the deadline day to um, uh, to try and kind of prize him away from Fulham, but. Obviously, I think West Ham went in early in the window and they were quoted quite a hefty fee. So, Drew, coming back to you, in terms of this game, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think that this is a game we want to see a lot of goals. So, I think we're going to do the predictions now. Um, and I'm expecting everyone to really put their neck on the line for this one. Um, I'm going to say 4-0 Arsenal. What's your opinion, Drew? Well, first, I'm going to need, you know, first goal scorer and stuff. First goal scorer in Ketia. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You said you said, you said said 4-0, yeah? 4-0, yeah. All right, I'm going to go... I should probably say 4-1 because we never keep things at home, <laughs> but I'm going to say 4-0. That's fair. I'm going to go 3-0. And, hmm. Hmm, that's tricky. I'm going to go with... I'm still giving... I'll go with Saka. Yeah. Do you know Saka? I was going to go with 4 0. Um, you still got to You can share the points. No, 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 sorry. It's because you're ahead, aren't you? You're ahead at the moment. Yeah, yeah. You're not piggybacking extra points off me. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go 4 1. Um, I'm going to cover my back and say Zhao Palinia will score, but. You think he's going to score? I yeah, think I a... Martinelli you... gets the first goal. Are you, is, are you saying is, that because you don't want to get the prediction right? 
<laughs> well, even a broken clock's right twice a day, right? <laughs> Just I've got 38 through? attempts. If I do 38 <laughs> four ones, Martinelli to score first, one of them's coming in, right? That's true. Should we run through um, what the scores are looking like at the moment, Drew? If you've got the the, the table there on hand. Yeah, I'm looking right here. So Ben has uh, three points. Uh, he we we all got the 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 correct winner on match day one and two, but Ben actually got the first goal score against um, Palace, so he got the win and Odegaard scoring the own goal. So yeah, he's got three points. Uh, Yumi, Varun, and Justin all have two. Uh, I can run down FPL as God, well it's, if it's... you want. Yeah, it's a long way down, isn't it, boys? Let's do a feel. <laughs> the, the, the whole point. <laughs> Just terrible. Um, so yeah, FPL, let me bring it up currently. So yeah, uh, Justin actually hilariously likes to remind us in chat that we suck. Uh, he has a, he has a five point lead in first. I'm in second. Uh, uh, newly uh, arrived Ben is now in, technically in third on points. Fruin's fourth, and Luke is sitting at the bottom of the table. What happened? That was oh, he's, he's that just, was good, I was going to say, he's, he's just emulating Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Gary O'Neill is going to have a, have a renaissance in the second half of the season. Yeah. Who have Wolves got next? Thomas, let me just have a look. It's going to be someone really good, isn't it? Someone's going to slap them silly. Uh, who is it? Oh, it's Everton. No, they'll win that. Come on! Are you sure? <laughs> Although, it depends <laughs> on... That's, that's the most nil-nil game I think I've yeah, ever seen. I mean, be. that's, that's <laughs> true. I mean, h- hilariously, <laughs> both of them have allowed five. Wolves have just the one goal. Uh, and they both lost both games. So, you're right. Maybe a nil-nil or maybe there's... a 3-3. I don't know. But yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no Calvert-Lewin for Everton. And yeah, uh, Man City are interested in Mateus Nunez. So, by the, by the way, Luke, if, if Nunez leaves, will you be changing your <laughs> prediction? Or is it all in the power he of Jerry No, no, no. It's booked in. It's, uh... No, because no, I'm not. I'm not predicting on Matthias Nunez. I'm predicting on no, Jesus of the manager Gary O'Neill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as long as he's there, sitting has him oh, sitting nineteenth at the moment. Dude, just to be, honestly, joke aside, I actually think they've played. Um, I mean, not in the second half of the Brighton game, but the whole Man United game in the first half of the Brighton game. I thought they looked all right. Oh, I don't think you can judge anyone by playing Man United. Yeah, true that. Yeah, not at the moment for sure. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think I don't know. I, I just I just feel like we have to we have to smash Fulham, don't we? Let's be honest. We'll all be a bit sad if it's not a comfortable two or three goal win. As we'll much as we're happy to eventually. say like a one nil or two ones, lovely, which they are. You know, three points, three points. At some point, you just want to really, you know, go through someone and leave them sort of back on the bus, tails between their legs, and everyone going, oh, <laughs> shit, they're serious this season, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, it's also that confidence going into the United fixture as well. If you know, if you can go into that game knowing you just put three, four, or five past Fulham, who, they overachieved last season, but Marco Silva's a credible manager. They, When they're full strength, they do have a decent side. We saw that last season against some bigger sides as well. So, yeah, I do think that I, I want to smash them, but I also I want, I want the boys to have confidence going into United because... United aren't going to get it wrong forever. They've started slowly, but they started slowly last season as well. And I do think Ten Hag is slightly overrated as a manager. But on paper, they're full 11 when fully fit. It, it's a good team. So eventually saw, they'll come um, good, most likely. I, I saw a, a tweet. I don't know how reliable it is that Mason Mount might be injured. And if Mason Mount is injured, then it might uh, inadvertently give Manchester United a much better balance. Annoying. Yeah, because uh, Ericsson will come in. <laughs> Ericsson or McTominay, yeah. and they'll play a double pivot, and, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be much more they'll still get old style. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, old Trafford, we bossed them and lost, so, you know. 
Mm. Just hopefully we don't lose this time. We'll be fine. <laughs> Did we want to talk about the the eleven we want to see? What we think what we might see, given kind of the chat we had off air or not? Oh, because I do. I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it wouldn't surprise me. Like, it wouldn't really surprise me if Sinchenko came in and party dropped to the bench. And that's not actually <laughs> that's not actually a like a diss on how party even playing. I actually think he's played really really well, but. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we thought that it's time to kind of give party a break. Zinchenko played well, like ten, fifteen minutes. Um, well, well, including it's time for about with twenty Gabriel? minutes. Yeah, with Gabriel. Yeah, I, okay, I'm, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, for my, a second, I was worried you'd forgotten. Tommy Asu got sent off. Yeah, Just yeah. To remind you, he got sent off for two yellow cards <laughs> last weekend. Yeah. So my, I'll say my prediction um, uh, for the eleven would be um, uh, Ramsdale and goal. I think that Zinchenko will play over Tomiyasu, obviously because he's not going to be able to play. But Zinchenko will play left back, but he'll play like inverted with uh, with Rice in midfield, and then it will be like Gabriel Saliba and Ben White playing that kind of that more kind of hybrid right back role. Um, uh, and then after then, I think it will be um, quite similar like Havertz, Odegaard, Martinelli, Inketia, Saka. Hmm. What about you, Ben? I don't hate it. In fact, I, I quite like it. I just think that um, I, I want Trossard to play. And that's a little bit selfish. He deserves to. But also, yeah, he's one of those players that deserves to play. But also, we've seen Mikel Arteta come out and say that Nketiah deserves to play. And if Nketiah deserves to play and Trossard deserves to play, who do you take out? Because Martinelli is not coming out. He's been excellent the first couple of games. Saka's the only real player that can play on the right wing. We might see a bit of rotation, and I hope I hope we do in a way because I want to be able to get used to seeing rotation this season. I want to be able to get used to seeing the lineup and not having a panic attack because Martinelli's not there, or uh, you know Thomas Partey's not there, or Zinchenko's not there, or even Saliba. Like if we've got enough strength and depth that hopefully we'll um, we'll be able to get through without playing playing thirty eight out of thirty eight like Gabriel did last season. Mm. I, I mean, I, I I take the point. I just don't. I think we have we have the depth where we can see the rotation. But even despite that, I think Arteta's proved themselves to be a manager that won't rotate needlessly just because. And it's so early in the season that there's really no reason to rotate. I mean, I think the only change we might see um, against Fulham really would be maybe what Luke suggested. I don't think there really is a need to have both Rice and Partey in the team, even if Partey was playing in defense. If Fulham don't worry me as much, I do think you might see the the traditional bat four, so to speak. But the only caveat to that is with United coming up, I don't know if Sinchenko will necessarily start against Fulham. I think you might see uh, maybe 30, 35, 40 minutes off the bench. Or maybe if he starts, he'll only get half of that because I do think we want him want to know he's fully fit for United. And then we have the international break after that. So if you pick up a little knock in United or a little... Um, kind of regression in his fitness against United, then he has maybe two weeks off to recover from that before Everton. And then the first game back after the break is Everton. So you don't have to start up against Everton in theory, given how poor they've been. So it'd be interesting to see. I'm more curious about the back four. I don't know if Arteta's going to change much of the of the forward six. I think you might see the same midfield three and the same attacking three against Fulham that we saw against Palace. Um, especially with how Fulham are so susceptible about being caught out at pace. So that actually might suit uh, Nketiah to start again. But moving forward, I don't know if he'll start against United. I think you might see 
the same 11 from the charity shield, from the community shield rather, uh, against United that we saw that we used against City. I think that makes more sense given the, the tactical requirements, but against Fulham, uh, without Tim Ream, you know, there's question that Calvin Bassey hasn't started yet, even though he was he came over from Ajax. Um, so I do think we might not see many changes overall. I just don't think, I don't think the need is there yet. I think once Europe starts, then I think you'll see changes. Um, but before that, there's a little reason why really currently, but yeah, I guess we'll have to see. If Zinchenko doesn't start, would you be surprised to see Jakob Kivior come in instead of Gabriel? Because I think we've seen the on that left side, Kivior is um, preferred. I mean, we not none of us expect Tierney to play, which yeah, I think no. is is fair. <laughs> um, but if Tomiyasu out, suspended Timber out for the season, and Zinchenko maybe not match fit, you're looking at maybe Kivior or Gabriel, like a, a straight shootout between the pair. And given Kivio's strengths relative to Gabriel's, do you think there might be a case that he starts? And what would that say about? Uh, sorry, what would what message would that send to Gabriel? Do you think? No, I think I think I think we'll see Kivio or Gabriel Saliba White. I, that's what I mean. I think I agree with Luke that if if someone does come out of the team unexpectedly, I think it might be Partey because we don't need him. Like White does not have to play right back, and if we need to see, it kind of Rune kind of pointed out off air about the issue of when do we start Gabriel if we want to presumably use him against United do we start him against Fulham to get him 90 minutes in his legs before that and then before the international break as well and if this is the match to do that I think dropping Partey makes sense just because he's not necessarily needed I think but I think he comes back into the team against United and think that's when you see that same team that we feel with against City so um, it wouldn't shock me if it was Kivir Gabriel Saliba White as the back four um, but also, if, if if I had to pick between Kivir and Gabriel, if Gabriel does not start and Kivir does, and we keep that same uh, kind of back forward you know, without Gabriel, then I think that might be my 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 tune might change around what's going on with him, because there's really no reason that he's being kept out of the team. You know, he, as Luke, as we said before, he played all 38 games last season. You know, he played in the Community Shield. Like, why all of a sudden now? So if he doesn't, you know, get the call. Next on at the weekend, and Kivira does, then I think that might be a bit more telling, and that 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 might be a concern for me. I don't know what what Luke's feeling is on the matter, but that would be a bit weird to me. I'm just confused in general, but to be fair, but I feel like this is going to be one of those seasons where it's hard to really. Maybe it's just because we're so used to seeing like very similar 11s week in week out, so that you know we see something. That doesn't make a lot of sense in that regards, and you know it just confuses us. And I think that's fair enough. Um, uh, but I think over the course of the season, we're going to see so much rotation now, like so much more than than we'd seen in, in the the last kind of like like in all of Arteta's tenure at the club. That eventually we'll just get used to it, and hopefully, like the the players, because I, I, I think to be fair, a lot of the players where it used to be like players want to play every game. I think now. If you're a top team that's playing in the Premier League, the Champions League, you're trying to go far in the FA Cup and also the League Cup, then at this point in time, like there are players who actually don't want to play every game because it's just not it's like you just can't do it. Like it's the same as we mentioned on the other episode of this, um, that Roger yeah, is actually saying I can't play as many games as I played last season. And I think a lot of people are probably gonna have a similar opinion where as much as players want to play, there's just kind of a line and they say like when you're also playing Champions League football and then realistically, other than the goalkeeper, no player should be able to start every Premier League game without getting a rest, I think. So, yeah, I do think that um, uh, whilst 
my gut reaction if he, if he doesn't start against Fulham would be that maybe there's still something behind the scenes that we that we're not necessarily privy to. Um, uh, I, I do think that he will start, and um, and then as you say, that will give him a, a good kind of platform to bounce into the Manchester United game with because. Um, uh, as we said at the start of the pod, that's that's a massive game. Like that, that could be the real kind of like stamp in the in the grounds to to tell people that we're not in that group. We're not with Chelsea and United and Liverpool. We're over there with City. But um, uh, I think that's probably a good place for us to leave it. Um, uh, we'll get uh, Varun and Justin's uh, predictions as well. So uh, the table will be mentioned in the next preview pod show against Manchester United, which will be next week. Um, I'm just going to go back to my random superlative objective generator to say, yeah, you're excited, aren't you? Right. Um, uh, So say goodbye to the loudest Ben and the wealthiest (laughs) Drew. There you go, Drew. Both those things are inaccurate. Ben is not loud and I am not wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this, this, uh, this random words generator on the internet says you are, and I'm more inclined to believe them because I am the cruelest Luke, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so if you have listened to this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, uh, as I say, we will be back with a reaction to the Fulham game after the Saturday's kickoff. And also we'll be back next week for a preview pod for the Manchester United game. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a great day. Odegaard is joining in and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the race and touched it! Oh, Saka. Oh,